my lifetime, it's not a surprise to any of you that uh, technology has advanced rapidly. I mean, it's just changed so much. So some of the images that I'm going to show you in the next few minutes, uh, some of you will recognize and know exactly what they are and have used some of these things. Others may be familiar with the image, but you've never you know, seen it or felt it in person. And then still others, uh, the youngest of the group, will probably look at some of these things and go, what in the world is that even? All right, so let's, let's see how well you do. What about uh, in the late 1980s, even into the early 90s? Any idea? What is this? Car phone, yes. So this was a... This was a big status symbol. I mean, I remember, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, if somebody had a little squiggly antenna, you know, on top of their car and a uh, little pocket phone or something like this in the, da- in the middle, that was a big deal. I mean, I, you know, I remember thinking as a kid, this person is super important. I mean, they, he has to have a phone in the car. I mean, he can't just, you know, answer phones at work or at home, but in the car he's so busy and so important, or she's so busy, so important. Uh, this was actually a, uh, you can see BMW. It was left in, a, in an old BMW and found in a junkyard, and so it was posted online. Uh, but probably, you know, has not been used in a long time. How about the next one? Let's see. What is this? DOS, yes, Peter got it, good, MS-DOS. My first computer class, 1992, 1993, at Gilead Christian Academy, we were cutting-edge technology, and I took an MS-DOS class. The C-Prompt, I don't remember really much of all that we learned in that class, probably not much, but Microsoft Windows would not come out until a year after I graduated in 1995. I graduated high school in 94, and then Windows came out in 95 and later learned you know, how to use Windows. But MS-DOS uh, was around for uh, quite a while. What about this next one? Floppy disk. Floppy disk. Now, um, you, the youngest of us, let's say, you know, 12 and under, 12 and under. How many of you have handled, you've actually handled a floppy disk? Okay. The youngest of us are going, no, I've never touched one of those things. But if you look up on the top as you're on your laptop or whatever and you go to save something, that little icon is one of the, looks kind of like the blue floppy disk. And so that's how you save something and that's built off of the old floppy disk. I have touched all of those three, you know, back in the day. So uh, how about, let's look at the next one. Typewriter. Now, this is a little bit advanced typewriter in that it's electric, okay? So I did not use growing up much of a non-electric typewriter. We had electric typewriters, and everybody can at this point go, ooh, right? It was super, you know, super important. Kim's mom was my typing teacher. We had a typing lab at Gilead Christian Academy where we learned on typewriters how to type, and Kim's mom was my uh, typing teacher. Now, this is a big jump. This looks almost exactly like my first laptop, 1997, June of 1997, as I was starting a master's program uh, in pastoral studies. My parents gave me my very first compact laptop, and get this, with a RAM of two megabytes. <laughs> two megabytes, not two gigabytes, but two megabytes. One normal picture of today would have filled up my RAM on, uh, on, the, on the laptop, two megabytes. But at the time, this was like a huge deal, and this was a really big help. Uh, so that was uh, 1997 or so, I got that. 
What about the, let's see, look at, look at the next. All right, this goes back a little bit further. Slide projector. What else is on the table? You see anything else? Cassette player, but that's a part of... Yes! So it's synchronized a dissolve unit. Dissolve unit. Let me, let me inform you a little bit about what this is. Now, my wife and I actually use something very similar to this. Two projectors connected to a dissolve unit with the, with the tape player. Uh, in 1999, in the beginning of 2000, as we visited churches all across the southeast, raising funds to head to Brazil, uh, we had a veteran missionary that uh, said we could use his stuff. They're in old, hard, hard Samsonite luggage cases, okay, with the metal, you know, things you push in. Some of you remember those. So we carried around these Samsonite things, set them up in every church. The projectors were already around at that time, but they were thousands of dollars, and as missionaries, we didn't have thousands of dollars. So we used uh, the slide projectors. But I'm going to tell you, at that time, at least in our circles, because we had the dissolve unit, we were a little bit advanced still among the missionary crowd, okay? Because our slides would kind of fade in and out. Now, if the, you know, if the plug got kicked, which it did sometimes, it would sh- shut everything down and the tape player would not be synced with... Anyway, it was bad. All right, what about the next? Okay, so... This, why, are we even, why is this even important to talk about? As you gather on a Sunday morning, you've taken time to, to come together, gather as a church family. Why am I bringing up stuff about a typewriter, about a, a car phone? Well, it's because technology is extremely important and every single one of us will be affected in one way or another, positively and negatively at times through this. People have written blogs about this. People have written books um, even a, a, a huge documentary was uh, uh, made about this about three years ago, September of 2020. And some of the key players in Google, Instagram, um, uh, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, and others came together to, to make a documentary. These are some of the people involved. The second slide shows uh, even more. So there's, there's a number of, of key players that were involved in the very beginning of some of these things that began to uh, be alarmed, began to be very concerned about where, you know, where this was headed. Some of the insight we'll bring from that, but the most important insight that we'll look at is from Scripture, principles of worship, of relationships, of stewardship. But some of the things they begin to notice are the following phrases that are even on the Social Dilemma. Some of you have watched this documentary, but it's on the Social Dilemma website. Uh, Notice some of the things that they uh, have said about kind of their experience in technology. So the next slide. Okay, first of all, I forgot this. So this has been seen by about 100 million people in 190 countries in over 30 languages. Why? Because this is not just a problem in the United States of America. This is a problem uh, in most modern countries where modern technology is available. Uh, So hopefully, this is just a, 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 a reminder and a visual that this is something that we have to face and we have to think through this biblically of how to respond. Why is that? Some of the statements that they've said, and these next slides will show that, the technology that connects us also divides us. The technology that connects us also controls us. The technology that connects us also manipulates us. The technology that connects us also monetizes us. The technology that connects us also distracts us. 
And the technology that connects us also polarizes us. So what are the foundational issues? How do we approach, approach this as followers of Jesus Christ? We have the truth. We know our eternal destiny. We look to Jesus Christ as the hope of eternal life and the very hope of our life now. So, so how does this play out? What are the foundational issues? Well, first of all, it is a worship issue. It is a worship issue. Oh, my goodness, Pastor David. I mean, really? I mean, worship, I mean, you're talking about technology, you're talking about cell phone, tablet, TV, um, smartwatch, all these things. It's a matter of worship. Follow along with me and think through this. Matthew chapter 12, we, we said it together, but we're going to read it again. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So, this is something that will definitely affect us. It is a spiritual issue. There are spiritual decisions that are made. In fact, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 12, or John chapter 4 rather, in verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and what? In truth. Must worship him in spirit and truth. All right, let me ask you this. As we spend time on the internet, as we watch news, as we spend time on social media sites, as we interact with modern technology, do we always find truth? Yes or no? No. In fact, there's a lot of mistruth. There's a lot of, uh, of, uh, of misplaced identity. There's a lot of mis, misplaced value in all of that. So these, these statements in Matthew and, and also in John were said over 2,000 years ago by Jesus. Now, it's interesting, and this has not just happened through this documentary, but it happens again and again and again, where you know, people, even who are not followers of Christ, will occasionally come to some similar conclusions, even though they don't often even recognize that it's biblical. And I want to show you um, a clip of, of what I mean by that, okay? So some of these you know, uh, contributors to The Social Dilemma, this is one of the, the statements uh, that was made, and it really sinks in with what Jesus taught uh, back in John and also in Matthew. All right, this Tristan Harris, original, one of the key players at Google, uh, but began to be very alarmed at some of the things that were going on. Uh, listen to what he says. If we don't agree on what is true, or that there is such a thing as truth, we're toast. This is the problem beneath other problems, because if we can't agree on what's true, then we can't navigate out of any of our problems. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Tristan Harris, to my knowledge, is not a believer. He's been alarmed by some of the things. He's got some interesting insights, especially as one who doesn't know Christ, uh, but been very alarmed at some of the trends in social media and modern technology. But he, he agrees. I mean, he's come to the conclusion, even though he may not even recognize this as biblical truth, if there's not an agreement on truth, then my goodness, we are toast as a culture, as a nation, uh, so as believers, that's where we've got to run back to and say, listen, we do know the truth. But not only that, but, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not that we just know the truth, but then as we live, do we live that out? 
As people watch us interact with technologies, people watch us interact with our devices and our TV and our shows and our programs and our music, do they see us living out every day that we're pursuing the truth of Jesus Christ? All right, I want to show you the next, uh, next clip here. It's not about the technology being the existential threat. It's the technology's ability to bring out the worst in society and the worst in society being the existential threat. If technology creates mass chaos, outrage, incivility, lack of trust in each other, loneliness, alienation, more polarization, more election hacking, more populism, more distraction and inability to focus on the real issues. That's just society. And now society is incapable of healing itself and just devolving into a kind of chaos. Anybody say amen to that truth? I mean, that's true. Um, now, again, all right, here we go. Let's see if we're back on, on track here. Voila, okay. So yeah, these, these things are true. I don't think he, he recognizes that they're biblical truths uh, that Jesus said over 2,000 years ago. You know, the truth will set you free. If you're my disciples, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I don't believe in this last statement. As he says, you know, basically, uh, technology in it itself is not the main problem, but in the sense that as we, humans, society at large, as we use that, then that can take out, bring out the worst in us. Why is that? Because Jesus said again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the and you could, you could kind of finish that. I want to be reverent to Scripture, but it, to apply that in kind of a broader sense, out of the abundance of the heart, the hands text. Out of the abundance of the heart, the eyes choose what they see. Out of the abundance of the heart, the ears choose what they want to hear. Because that is biblical truth. S society will not have a way to, to solve this problem on their own. And that's why we, thankfully, have the, the message of the hope of the gospel. That Jesus Christ can transform from the inside out. Regulations are not going to control this. Uh, different types of apps and, and better, you know, control. Th those things are not, they may help, but they're not going to solve this problem. It's going to have to come through our faith and through our decisions of worship and spiritual decisions that we make in Christ. Let's look at uh, a couple things as we look at this as a worship issue. First of all, every person will make a worship choice. Every person will make a worship choice. This is clear in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress, and here it is, the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. I could not help but think of this passage as we were walking in from the beach one evening and we had just passed kind of the little, you know, uh, uh, water hose thing and, and I just 
rinsed the sand off my feet, and there was a, uh, the, the place we were staying had this like beachside uh, bar. I wasn't at the bar, okay, just to make clear, but the beachside bar, but there were people at the beachside bar waiting for the sunset, and the, the sky was already beautiful. The clouds were amazing. There were different hues of, of colors of red and orange and even a little bit of purple. But then all of a sudden, the, the sun, as it was almost kind of going below the horizon, just kind of burst out in this space of no clouds. And I heard some of the people comment, there it is again. And they, and they watched, you know, they just stood there in amazement. And I thought, whether they recognize again God's handiwork, they understand, even the, many of them who are not believers, they understand that this is going to happen every day. The sun will rise and the sun will set. And Romans is saying these are evidences of God as creator. These are evidences that every single human being is able to see and for those reasons are without excuse. We, we continue on. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged, again, the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Every single human being that has been created, and that's all of us, every single human being will make a worship choice. Romans 1 makes that clear. Secondly, the only correct worship choice is God. That is the only correct worship choice that can be made. We see in Matthew chapter 22, 36 to 38, a question was posed to Jesus. They were trying to, to catch him uh, in, his, in, his, in his statements. And they said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Jesus, in a very clear way, is saying, yeah, there's a lot of teachings, there's a lot of commandments, you have all the story of the Old Testament, but of all of that, what is first and foremost is your worship choice that you make about the almighty, sovereign God. Do you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? That is the first and greatest commandment. Put another way in Psalm, chapter one, or Psalm 150, in verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I heard one, uh, one writer and one pastor put it this way. Can you imagine if the verse was a little bit differently and it said, let everything that praises the Lord have breath? Man, there'd be a lot of people praising the Lord, right? Because we love breath. We like to, any, any of you like to breathe? Yeah, I love to breathe. I, 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 don't, I, I enjoyed being underwater for a while at the beach, but I came up every time because I love breath. Imagine if this said, let everything uh, that praises the Lord have breath. That'd be a huge motivation. But the, the truth is, as creatures that God has created, as human beings, as special creations that God has made above all creation, may we give, use our breath to praise him. If you miss everything else today and even next Sunday, I hope you'll take this home. I hope that you, it'll be in your heart and in your minds that above all else, this is a worship issue. 
This is more about pursuing a heart relationship than it is about obeying the home rules. As a parent and as, as parents, Kim and I, we have established some rules for our home. But above that, we try as best as we can to emphasize, yes, there are rules that we want you to follow, but way more important than that is a heart relationship that we want you to have. And that's with Jesus Christ. Conforming to the image of Christ is so much more important rather than just controlling the images that you see. We want our children, and I want myself, to be conformed to the image of Christ. I don't want to just, to, to just control the things that I see. Because I could still be wicked in my heart and even, even abstain from some things, some actions, but still not have a heart relationship and a worshipful spirit towards God. This is a worship issue. Everything that has breath, if you were paying attention uh, before the service, one of the songs it played says this, praise him in this earth, praise him, praise him in his awesome power, praise his great and holy name, praise him, the whole world praise him. From the rising of the sun, let his praise be heard, from the east to the west and the north to the south, let everything that has breath praise the Lord forever, let everything in my soul praise the Lord. And I hope that's your prayer. I hope that as you go about, some of you will go back again tomorrow to classes, and I hope that this will come across your mind and you say, as I study, as I sit here in class and take notes, or as I work on a project, or as I go to an athletic practice afterwards, or as I do whatever I do, some of you will be at work, remotely or in office, or whatever you do, may you think, God, help me in all of my soul to praise you. Help me to worship you with my life. Proverbs 3, 1 through 8 reminds us that this is all about a heart issue. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Are there commandments? Yes. But what's more important, that your heart is in it, not just an outward action, not just checking off a list, not just trying to conform to what One Hope Church thinks is important or what Pastor David thinks is important, but that your heart would be in tune in seeking after God with all of your heart. Let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of, get it, life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet, where? Of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of, get this, God and man. We're going to see next that it is a worship issue which also totally affects relationship issues. And this is what we see even in Proverbs. You will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart. Uh, he will, and do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Okay, so let, let me just think through this with you. If you and I do not commit our heart to the Lord and allow him to make straight our paths, in a world that is full of, pit hole, of, of holes and dangers and, and, and uh, things that can really threaten us, if we don't commit our heart to him, he's, if he's not making our path straight, we're not allowing him to do that, then this is really deep. Our paths are going to be crooked. We're going to go into to huge dangers. We're going we're gonna to accept the threats. We're going to choose those things, and it will be to our destruction. Not only in media, not only in technology, but in every single area of life. God can make our paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. 
I don't want my kids just to fear me primarily. I want them to have respect of me. I don't want the kids at Northwest Classical Academy just to respect their teachers. My main goal and one of the main reasons we are part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we want them to fear God. We want them to have a reverence for God Almighty. Not a a scared fear, but an awe of his majesty, of his love, of his immense power. We would fear the Lord. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Amen. Better than any vitamin, multivitamin you can take. Fear the Lord. Worship him. Again in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. These are for our good. It's not for our misery. It's not to make us miserable, but it's for life and peace. It's for us to live in him. It's for us to enjoy the beautiful design that God has made for life. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Still in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 21 through 27. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them where? Within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay, so again, this is really deep. If we don't keep our heart, if we don't guard our heart in Christ, then we won't have springs of life flowing from it, but we'll have floods of destruction that will flow out of, again, remember in Matthew, the abundance of the heart. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. There were not even any iPhones back when this was written. There were no TV screens, but yet the truth is timeless, and that's the beautiful thing about God's word, is that it's always relevant. If Jesus tarries for another hundred years, it's still going to be extremely relevant and just as relevant then as it is today. Let your eyes look directly forward, your gaze be straight before you, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. If we don't do this, if we don't follow God with our heart, if we're not fearing and being reverent to him, then again, the contrast to this, our ways will not be sure. They're going to be uncertain. They're going to be unstable. We're going to be a double-minded man, a double-minded woman, double-minded young person. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So we see that certainly it is an issue of the heart, Everyone's going to make a worship choice. The only correct worship choice is God. And thirdly, what you treasure is what you worship. What you treasure is what you worship. We see this truth in Matthew chapter 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so a question. What do you treasure? One of the good ways to to analyze and to evaluate what you treasure is what kind of deposits, treasure deposits, are you making of your time, of your priorities, of the resources that God has given you, of your passions? What kind of treasure deposits are you making on a regular basis? If you just observe a little, 
If you're out in a restaurant, if you pass kids at a bus stop, if you, in many schools even, if you look out into the classroom and see the kids, and unfortunately, many years ago, I was at a Christian university and in their chapel, and I was saddened and burdened to see many of the students who claim to be followers of Christ not reading the Bibles on their phones, but texting and looking at social media on their phones. It's very easy in a very quick observance, believers and unbelievers alike, that there are many treasure deposits being made on our tech devices and modern technology. We're depositing more and more and more. And so the question is, what you treasure, that's where your heart is going to be. What do you treasure? Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 24 says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is you, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And notice the summary verse here, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Period. It's that simple. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. Now, again, I want to be reverent to Scripture, but I, I think we can take the same truth and apply it and say things like, you cannot serve God and sports. You cannot serve God and leisure. You can't serve God and your job. You can't serve, job or, or serve God and your, your tech devices. You cannot do it. It is a worship choice that you must make. Notice in Deuteronomy chapter 6, all the way back in the Old Testament, some foundational truths that are given to the people of Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 15. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Well, that sounds interesting. Jesus repeated the same thing and said, this is the first and greatest commandment. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, notice this, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, notice the warning. Then take care lest you forget the Lord. This is an extremely important truth in the society in which we live, the United States of America. We are blessed beyond measure. Many of us have no idea how blessed we are. I often, for even though I've seen extreme poverty, and even though I've been in many third world countries and, and seen some things that I, that I will not forget those memories, it's very easy for me to be lulled once again into the society and culture in which I live that a lot of things are easy. There's a lot of blessings that we experience just by having an address in the United States of America. 
And as part of that, we should take the same truths and be reminded, believer, brother and sister in Christ, child of God, when things are easy for you, when you have technology that makes life a lot easier for you, don't forget your God. Don't just begin to worship and make life easy and then forget the God who's given those gifts to you to use them. So Deuteronomy, back to him, it's, back to Deuteronomy, it says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a what? Jealous God. We don't talk about that a whole lot. Oh, God is love, and he is. God is powerful, and he is. But God is a jealous God. And he can be jealous in a perfectly righteous way. You know why? Because there's no sin in God and he deserves every ounce and every moment of worship that we can offer. He deserves it all and so much more. If I'm jealous, then it's out of a corrupt heart that I exercise jealousy, not God. Because God has done what is best for us. He's created us in his love. He has a perfect plan for us. And as we we miss that and as we forget him, God says, listen, I'm a jealous God. We go on. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. We live in a very easy, easy time in a lot of ways. Not trying to diminish the challenges that you face. I understand that we all live in a fallen world, especially in the United States of America. It's sinful. Uh, we, we experience the effects of that. But in a lot of the practical ways of life, we have an easy life. I didn't have to walk to church. I don't plan on walking home. I don't plan on going out and killing food for lunch. I don't plan on going to the well to get my water today. In fact, I plan on just going to the refrigerator and get some ice maybe some sweet tea probably with a little bit of lemon there's a lot of easy things and God's reminding us when life is easy don't forget don't forget your Lord secondly not just a worship issue but it is a relationship issue it is a relationship issue Matthew 22 39 through 40 it says and a second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself so Jesus has just said the first and greatest commandment is that you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then he says right after that, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So to love your neighbor, and remember, the main idea for this is those who are near. Those who God has put in near proximity to you through your circles of influence. It's not just your neighbor next door that lives in the house next to you or the apartment next to you or the condo above you, but whoever is near to you, who, who God has put in your path. But then to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus says in John that this is one of the most defining ways that people are gonna know that we're followers of Christ is if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ as we should. Notice the verse in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, notice this is extremely uh, impactful, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. 
if you have love one for another. So technology can be used as a tool to love others better or it can be abused and and really received as a threat to destroy the relationships that God has given us. Be careful how you choose. It is a relationships issue. So what kind of love? How, How does this love display itself? God has answered that in 1 Corinthians 13. Many other ways as well, even through the life of Christ and other believers. But in 1 Corinthians 13, there's some pretty black and white and straightforward characteristics of love, starting in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. You think that has anything to do with how we use tech today? Love does not envy, or get this, or boast. Huh. So that should come into my mind. If I'm, if I'm loving other people as I should, then what are the motives for why I post what I post? Am I, am I envious? Or as I consume these things, is it leading me to be jealous and envious and, and wishing that I were you know, so-and-so or that I could do this or I wish I could be where they're at right now or, or whatever? Or am I posting things so I can just boast and just kind of show the world, hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at who I've become. Look at... Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. My heart has often been extremely burdened to see brothers and sisters in Christ argue in such ways on online forums in ways that they would rarely do in person. And my thought is, Is it because it's so easy behind a screen and in the privacy of your home or your car or your bedroom or whatever to just lash out and say things, maybe to other brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe even to unbelievers that are on the different side of the political spectrum that you are, and you just lash out and you attack in ways online that you would rarely do in person? That's a problem. That's not an expression of a Christ-like love. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's a worship issue and it's a relationship issue. And this is going to play out more as we, as we go through this. We're going to continue uh, kind of more specifics in the growth groups and then even next week, Lord willing. Uh, but I want to show you Just a a scenario that I think a lot of us can identify with, especially if you still have, you know, children in the home. And understand, this is not just an issue of kids and teenagers, friends. I have counseled, and I have had the, the privilege but also the responsibility to sit across the table or a coffee table or the, the, the living room from people as young as, you know, toddlers all the way up to the golden years, if you want to put it that way, who have struggled and have been defeated in some ways in this issue. It's not just teens. It's all of us. All right, so let me show you kind of... Um, how captivating and enslaving this can be and how that can even affect our family interactions. Dad, stop! (laughs) I have like a thousand more snips to send before dinner. 
Snips? I don't know what a snip is. Mmm, that smells right. good, babe. Thank you. I was um, thinking we could use all five senses to enjoy our dinner tonight. So I decided that we're not going to have any cell phones at the table tonight. So, turn them in. Really? Yep. All right. Thank you. Ben, mom, the okay. phone pirate. <laughs> Got it. Mom! So they will be safe in here until after dinner. And everyone can just chill out, okay? Can I just see who it is? No. Just gonna go get it. another fork. Honey, you can't open that. I locked it for an hour, so just leave it alone. So, what should we talk about? Well, we could talk about the uh, Extreme Center wackos I drove oh, by today. please, what? Frank, I don't want to talk about politics. What's wrong with the Extreme Center? See, oh. he didn't even get it. It depends on who you ask. It's like asking what's wrong with propaganda. <laughs> Isla! So we're going to have these little lock boxes for sale after the service. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> but apparently it wasn't uh, totally foolproof. All right, so let's, uh, let's skip a little section here and then finish this last clip. Losing a lot today. Last so seven days. That's probably why. Instagram, six hours, 13 minutes. Okay, so my Instagram's worse. My screen's completely shattered. Thanks, Cass. What do you mean, thanks, Cass? You keep freaking mom out about our phones when it's not really a problem. We don't need our phones to eat dinner. I get what you're saying, it's just not that big a deal. It's not. It's not that big a deal, don't use it for a week. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if you can put that thing away for like a whole week, I will buy you a new screen. Like starting now? Starting now. Okay. Okay. You got a deal. Okay, you got to leave it here, though, buddy. All right, I'm plugging it in. Let the record show. I'm backing away. Okay. You're on the clock. One week. Think you can do it? I don't know. We'll see. Just eat, okay? Good family dinner. A little bit humorous, very real, but extremely sad in a lot of respects. And so this may not have happened at your table, but it happens at schools all the time. It happens at ball games. It happens at bus stops where real life, personal relationships are abused, ignored, taken advantage of because we've allowed the threat of modern technology to take over. And that's where we're going to stop for right now. But I pray that, again, if you forget everything else, if you forget the clips, if you forget anything that Social Dilemma has, remember, most importantly, it is a worship issue and it is a relationship issue. You will make a spiritual decision about this. You will.